Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a series of short discussions on various topics related to the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Your hosts, Kale Tita, Evan Basilic, and Sajid Mello, discuss a specific topic on each show to give you a high-level overview of that topic and resources to get more information should you wish to dig further. For more information on our show, please see our website at azpodcast.com. Well, welcome to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 17, and the topic for today is going to be ADFS, Active Directory Federation Services. As always, my name is Sajid Mello. I am a senior consultant with Microsoft, focused on the AppDev space, based out of New Jersey. And on Skype, I have my two esteemed colleagues, Kale and Evan. Guys? Hey, this is Kale. I'm also MCS consultant in uh New York, New Jersey region, uh, focused on application development and Azure Apt. And this is Evan, and I'm a, a support engineer in the Windows group supporting Azure IS. And I'm well, down in the Charlotte area. Well, great to have both of you guys back. Uh, our listeners may have noticed that we took a, a bit of a hiatus for a couple of weeks. Uh, because one week was, we can blame it on Valentine's Day, and the other week, just the bad weather out here. We, you know, hey, hey. I'm in north. I'm in the southeast. When it snows, we stop. <laughs> Wimps, I tell you guys. <laughs> but uh, that's all uh, starting to melt now, so we're back on our regular schedule here. So this is a topic that uh, I think we've been wanting to cover for a while. Um, it's uh, one of the lesser uh, known things in. Uh, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not specific to Azure, to Windows Azure. But uh, it is one of the important things that allows you a whole bunch of new scenarios in Windows Azure, and we thought we should cover it today. So, um, so, 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 Evan, uh, what exactly is ADFS? Uh, actually, Kale, you want to handle that one? Sure. So, uh, ADFS, as Sajit mentioned before, was, uh, stands for Active Directory Federation Service. And uh, really what it's focused on is being able to federate um, or kind of offload some of your identity management, um, especially the authentication um, aspects of your applications. So it's based on, like, claims-based authentication, if you're familiar with that. Um, it's different from some of the stuff we've had in the past with, that's focused more heavily on Windows, like the forms-based auth, which used NTLM and those types of things. The claims-based is a more open architecture, so it's an industry standard. Um, there's other people that implement claims-based auth different ways, um, but the ADFS is, is our um, flagship product that we use to do that. And um, really what it's about is helping you uh, abstract away um, all the figuring out what your identity management provider, all the intricacies of it, and kind of making it generic um, so that your application can all talk to the same endpoint. I see. And uh, so I believe it's, it's it's got this very open architecture. Does that mean it could work with uh, a Linux infrastructure or a Mac OS X, for, for that matter? Sure. It's um, it's So underneath, it's basically uh, an XML format. It's, uh, it's called SAML for security XML. And, um, again, basically it just describes uh, things about your identity system. So if you think of it this way, to break it down really simply – it is a um, a service that you're going to stand up, and behind it, you could have things like Active Directory. But 
it, you know, we focus heavily on Active Directory because we're Windows guys and, and from Microsoft, but also Facebook, Google, all these other, uh, you know, providers out there have ways to authenticate using those credentials that you have for those things. And what's cool is you can basically put those behind ADFS and actually authenticate to them. I mean, your users, um, you know, don't need to know how to, or even your applications don't need to know, like, that they're talking to Facebook. They just talk to this other endpoint, which is the same. I see. Now, don't uh, Facebook and Google and, what, uh, and Twitter, et cetera, don't they use something like OAuth for authentication? So uh, do you know, uh, Kale, if, if ADFS works with OAuth, or is that something? Uh, that's something I haven't had a lot of experience with. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it does. To, it doesn't today. Um, OAuth is It's different from SAML, right? It's kind of built after the same concept. Right. Um, but it, it's definitely a different experience. I know... I know I've, I've seen some talk about, you know, how do we kind of bring those together. Um, actually, and we, I think we talked about this a couple weeks back, the way that we actually are seeing people integrate this is they're using ADFS to go into their Windows Azure Active Directory. Um, you know, they do, you know, directory synchronization, and then they use ADFS for the authentication um, for, a, for Windows Azure AD, and then they uh, are for the, as the authoritative source, Windows Azure AD, and then we actually have the application access enhancements in Windows Azure Premium where we create, if you create an account in Windows Azure AD and basically check it off as, hey, I want this to be created in Facebook or Salesforce.com or whatever, we'll, on the back end, synchronize that information between those two systems. Uh-huh. I, think, I, don't, I think we ultimately won't really see a merger of OAuth and ADFS so much as we'll just see the tie-ins will be handled by the service providers. Um, which is even easier than OAuth, right, at that point. Exactly, yeah. Now, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you typically would, well, scenario you just described was putting ADFS in Azure. But typically, people uh, put uh, ADFS on uh, on their premises. Is that how, what's the typical yeah. layout? T- yeah, typically you'll see people, people do ADFS in the on-premises because that's that's where they're tied into their Active Directory. Right, because you're, what you're doing with ADFS is you're taking the uh, the claims, you're, you're you're taking the credentials and basically saying, hey, ADFS, go look up an AD, see if this user has the rights, and convert that into a claim that I can then pass on down the line. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it needs to talk back to your your on-premises Active Directory. Um, so typically, we see it on-premises. Now, um, in this new cloud world, uh, we are seeing an interesting trend where where people call up and say, hey, I use um, I don't want anything on-premises. I, I got rid of my Exchange server. I got rid of my SharePoint. You know, I I, I, I don't want all this stuff on-premises. So they want to get rid. They want to move ADFS into the cloud as well. So they need the full functionality of a domain, but they so they can't use Windows Azure AD. But they they want ADFS off-premises as well. Um, the challenge with that is, um, and I'll I'll be honest, it it brings a lot of um, there are a lot of cons, ultimately, and I don't personally, I don't think they override the, the pros of doing that, not having to manage those servers, don't override the cons of the configuration things that you lose. Um, so one second, Evan, I just wanted to stop you. You'd mentioned yeah. there just a, just a couple a minute ago that, you know, we have this thing called Windows Azure Active Directory. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't somebody just use that exclusively? What kind of limitations? Like, I, we don't need to get into the details, but why wouldn't someone just use it, 
Directory. Yeah, it kind of comes down to the fact that Windows Azure Active Directory is uh, it, it it's not Active Directory, um, and so some of the things that you get out of Active Directory, like you know the concept of your computers, objects, and and Kerberos, and all those kind of things, don't exist in Windows, Windows Azure Active Directory. Um, I, I'll admit, I, I'll be the first one. I support supported both of those products for a while. It, it makes for a confusing conversation sometimes with them being the same name. Yeah. Um, but they are fundamentally different um, things. Cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so talking about putting active ADFS in Azure, right, if you think about it, hey, I, I need things exposed to the Internet. You know, I don't want to manage my firewall. I don't want to manage my DMZ. I don't want to do any of that stuff, but I do want to take advantage of ADFS. You could certainly see someone standing up a, a DC in Azure. They stand up a VNet, and now they have – they can just stand up ADFS, and they have their um, – uh, STSs, so they're endpoints um, where people are going to authenticate against. Uh, sitting out there in Azure, they're exposed. Sounds like a really good idea, right? Except for the fact that you break some of the either security or high availability recommendations that we have for ADFS. Um, and so let me, and I want to back up and say something really clear because I, I, I want to make sure that people don't think I'm telling them that it's not supported to do ADFS. In Azure, doing ADFS in Azure is 100% completely supported scenario. If you want to do this and it doesn't work, we will certainly help you set it up. But I still don't recommend it. Right? There's a difference between supported and recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, the the limitations come down to um, if you think about it for for so so what happens when you can't authenticate? Right? What breaks at that point? Yeah, I know for me, um, if, if it's something like email or something like that, if somebody's trying to access, they're going to be kind of upset. If, yeah. Uh, well, they the old app will stop working, basically. Yeah. I mean, everything stops when you can't authenticate. Um, and so when ADFS is one of those things that you want it to be highly available, right? You, if, if you have a server that has to reboot for some normal thing, there is no good time to take down your authentication platform. Mm-hmm. So we normally recommend people have um, two proxy servers, Right, and the proxy servers basically all they do is they they're the ones that have a secure connection back to your STSs, um, and the STSs are on your domain. The proxy servers are in your DMZ, so you have a firewall in between for security purposes. But you also want two of each, so that if either one goes down, you can still service your authentication request. The problem becomes when we start talking about um, Azure is. Azure has a couple limitations around it. The first limitation is that if I want my proxy servers to talk to my STSs, in Windows Azure, we don't have any way to say the servers in this cloud service, you know, um, proxy server A should talk to ADFS STS A, and proxy server B should talk to ADFS STS B, right? So they kind of have these pairs, right? You don't have any way to force that in Azure because we don't have... um, kind of that concept of I want to map these two VIPs to each other. You can force it by doing ACLs and those kind of things, but that that really becomes brittle Hmm. at that point. Um, So you've basically compromised your high availability and load balancing because you've mapped one proxy to one STS. Well, that's not really highly available. Um, The other thing you could do is you could put your STSs on a VIP, right? So you basically expose them to the public endpoint. Well, now you've got highly available. You know, you can do availability sets. We talked about in Azure before. We stick multiple servers of the same type behind a VIP. 
Um, so you do get your high availability back, but now you have your STS, which is on your domain, has an endpoint exposed to the internet. Now you could you could ackle that, you could you know do all kinds of security around it, but you you just kind of basically you, you're breaking some best practices for security, and then now how do your on premises folks they can't do single sign on with that scenario, mm. right? Because that's not technically a local address. They can't go. They have to go back out to the internet, which means it's no longer a trusted internet intranet site, right? There's all those challenges. Um, so you you lose that. And then the other way is you take your you take your VIP without the firewall rules. Well, now you're just completely exposed to anybody, right? So it's even worse from a security perspective. Right. Um, so the the end result is that no matter how you do it and tweak it and try and deal with security, my stance, and I've actually heard this from some of the the ADFS product group as well, is. Hey, great. If you want to do it, that's fantastic. At some point, we are going to get all the capabilities in Azure to allow you to do this very, very easily. But the reason you move to the cloud is to make your life easier. And if you've just lost some of your security or some of your HA or you have to make this really brittle configuration, what have you gained? Right. 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 And, and you know, so it's one of those things that sounds really cool. Do it. Got it. That's good. Great. Now, just thinking about some of the use cases for ADFS, uh, I think we know that, uh, you know, Office 365, I believe, is one of the use cases for using ADFS. Is that correct, guys? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been on a couple engagements where that, that was the prime case we were doing. They set up ADFS on-premise, and and then we're using that uh, to authenticate their guys in O365 so they could keep their... Identities there and AD locally. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of what we tend to see is that uh, you know at least in my experience supporting O365 is there there are definitely some scenarios where I think Kale you were talking about them earlier where people want to authenticate their applications right they want to put some application up you know, in the cloud and they want to come back to on premises but O365 is the big driver of that stuff and Azure is a driver of that as well because they want to do. You know, we use ADFS for our O365 and Azure here at Microsoft, mm. right? You know, um, but the I, I I think what you do see some people saying is I don't necessarily need um, single sign-on, right? And maybe I need same sign-on or or um, you know using like directory synchronization or something. But there's definitely a, a good chunk of people out there that that want to have uh, single sign-on. I mean, always use the same credentials no matter where I go, and ADFS enables that. Right, and it, and it, and it allows them to keep uh, their user uh, information on premises. You know, where some companies are finicky about that, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, it's you know, your 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 authentication is your that's yeah, kind of your single source yeah. of security. Those, right. Those are the keys. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, just to continue on the scenario, so. Uh, when it comes to application development uh, or, or integrating applications with single sign-on using ADFS, uh, you know, we have the Windows Identity Foundation uh, library that's built into .NET, and that and that, allow, that allows you to deal with the claims in your application, so you can do custom claims uh, by, by using ADFS uh, to federate some of that uh, security information. Right. So, so it's good. So between the, uh, the, the custom apps and the O365, uh, that's a fairly uh, good use case uh, there. 
Yeah, I was kind of interested, Evan, to hear because um, some of the things I've seen myself, I'm, I'm not in directly in support, but um, some of the things I've seen that go wrong with this is typically it is a little bit complex for us to set up. It's not like just click a couple buttons and it's done. Um, there's certificates involved and all those types of things to get this thing running. There's web servers. There's a bunch of different technologies. So, but typically when we help people set this up, um, you know, we'll lay out an architecture, we'll, we'll set these things down, we'll stand everything up for them. And then when we walk away, you know, we leave them with, you know, this is the care and feeding of this. And one of the things is make sure you renew that cert. Yeah. Um, because if you don't, you know, people forget about it. And then it's like you said, one day people can't authenticate and they're like, what happened? You know, like. Well, actually, if you really think about it, they, they may say that, but nobody knows that they're saying what happened because nobody gets their email. You know, yeah, the certificates are definitely, excuse me, the certificates are definitely a big thing where, you know, we do tell you your certificate. Like O365 will tell you your certificate is getting ready to expire. We check that, um, and we tell you that you, know, you need to roll it over. But we have definitely seen cases where people call and say, hey, my certificate expired yesterday. I forgot to, to do it. Um, I've actually heard some guidance from some of my colleagues that are kind of deeper into this space of, you know, unless you have a need for, um, you know, an externally trusted certificate, and O365 does require that, you know, so if you're just doing like a custom app or something like that, self-signed certs actually might be easier because ADFS can roll them over itself. Mm. You know, which which adds some, you know, it just kind of does it behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, it could Managing certificates can be tough for people at times, right? That's something that everybody does. And so the what you're implying is that the the, the self-signed certificates, you could set the expiration to many years you know, in the future. No. So, so the way it actually works is, and I'm, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but basically if the certificate expires in a month after 15 – so we always have two certificates, a primary and a secondary um, – when after halfway through the expiration of the first one, say, we we create a new one, we promote that to um, primary, delegate the roll the primary back to the secondary, right? So if somebody's coming in, they can still use mm-hmm, that one, mm-hmm. and then that starts propagating out to everybody. Hey, use the new primary, yeah. and then after a while, we, the secondary expires, then we just kind of continue that rolling process. So you never have a scenario where somebody might be coming in with a claim associated with the old certificate. Got it. But the old certificate is gone. That's when you really get broken. Right, right. Point. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it does get challenging if you're using custom ones because, yeah, when you break, you will break hard, unfortunately. <laughs> Excellent. That's some good stuff, guys. Uh, any more thoughts on the topic or we can start winding up then? Um, I, I would say, again, don't take some of the comments I make about it being a little bit more challenging to, to administer than your average thing. I think, Kale, you were saying the same thing. It offers a lot of potential and benefit, um, but it, it is definitely not one of those, hey, I clicked through the wizard and now I have single sign-on thing. And it's definitely something you want to manage and be, be, very, be very conscious about what you're doing. But if you do that, man, it can really bring some great benefits. Okay. Well, uh so there's a couple of links that I wanted to just talk about. Uh, they'll be in the show notes, of course. The first one is for our folks who use uh, Java as a programming language. As you know, uh, Windows Azure is very open technology, and we support uh, a number of frameworks, a number of platforms. And in order to support Java, we make uh, an Eclipse toolkit available. 
So you could uh, plug it into your Eclipse uh, IDE and, you know, get all the access, uh, all the various things that uh, Windows Azure offers directly within that IDE. And it's, uh, you know, provided free of charge, of course, under the uh, Apache license. And then there's another link I'm going to put in there, something new that came on, more related to Office 365, but could be used by applications in Windows Azure. And this is the Power BI um, uh, this is for Office 365 is now available and uh, what it does is lets you you know build uh, BI sites uh, there's things like Power Q&A Power Query Power Map uh, the Power View uh, and all sorts of uh, enterprise uh, level data analysis that can be done using that uh that new functionality, I'll, I'll put a link to that as well. And then there is uh, an article that's uh, providing some guidance on how do you SQL Server-based applications in Windows Azure. And I'll put a link to that as well. Just some special things to consider there. So uh, yeah, that that, uh, that, that Power BI stuff, uh, Sajid, is really cool. If anybody's got a chance to play with it, it really uh, opens up Excel to like. It basically, he took Excel and started consuming data from. You can imagine things like Twitter feeds and things like that. It's kind of crazy, like how it, it aggregate data from all these weird, like uh, non-structured data that's on the internet. So it's, it's really neat. I, I'd recommend people check it out because I think it's really cool. Yeah, some of the visualization stuff you can do with Power BI is they've they've really reimagined some of that stuff. Um, so it is. I definitely agree. I highly recommend people check it out. And I believe that's also the primary way for doing analysis with our Hadoop uh, uh, infrastructure, right? Uh, I think when you run a MapReduce job in uh, Hadoop, uh, the result set is analyzed with Power BI. So that I think that's, yeah, definitely one of the mainline scenarios for that is to look at that stuff because those are big data sets. And for these guys that are using Eclipse and Java, I mean, I don't know what you're doing. We got the Premiere stuff over here with uh, Visual Studio. Now we think, Kale, we are completely agnostic. We, uh, just joking. I just think we have the best IDE. That's all. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's what that's where you have to, to phrase it. Is yeah, we don't. You know, I don't know why you develop it that way. But if you are, you know, it runs great in Azure, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks, guys, uh, for all those uh, great tips and discussions. Uh, that brings us to the end of this uh, episode, uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Sounds good. See you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any comments or questions, please use our Twitter handle, at Azure Podcasts. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. Thank you, and see you next time.